Please turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John and chapter 6. John chapter 6, and I'll read verses 37 through 40. And Jesus says in verse 37, All that the Father gives me shall come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. And for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. <clears throat> we continue our study this morning in the heart of Jesus, now that he has ascended back into heaven, his heart for us as we remain here below in this present world of so much sin and trouble. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has been exalted back into the glory of the world above. The question is, has his heart changed toward us as his disciples here below? He sits on a throne of glory in heaven. He has complete victory. Majesty, splendor belongs to him. All of heaven worships him and sings to him be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And he is there above, and we are still here below in the midst of so much struggle and conflict, and we have so much weakness in ourselves, and we so often stumble and fall into our sins. Does he even think of us now? And does he desire to have any further dealings with us? Does he have concern, any more love, any more compassion for us in all of our needs? And last Lord's Day from Hebrews chapter 4, we answered that question with a most resounding yes, because there the writer tells us of our great high priest who has passed through the heavens and has taken his seat at the right hand of the majesty above. And there he is, he still sympathizes with us with tender compassion and affection, even in the midst of all of our weaknesses, in our trials, distresses, and disappointments, and even in the greatest of all of our discouragements in this life, the discouragement of the weakness of our remaining sin. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Two things we seem to come to know more and more as we live the Christian life. First, our own failures, weaknesses, and sins. Second, the patience and the gracious, loving heart of Jesus toward us. 
that when we fall, he does not deal harshly with us. He does not quickly enter into judgment with us or reward us according to our sins or leave us or forsake us. But he even sympathizes with us in our weaknesses. To our great astonishment in the Christian life, our weaknesses and even our weaknesses in sin are the occasions of Jesus to sympathize with us from heaven. This morning we continue our study in the heart of Christ in heaven for us. We want to look at our subject this morning from a different perspective, which is the influence of the three persons of the Trinity upon Jesus in heaven now. Salvation is always a work of the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, each of the three persons in their distinctive works, and yet all of them in perfect unity and cooperation with one another. Salvation has always been the work of the Trinity, and it was the work of the Trinity from eternity. It was the work of the Trinity when Christ came into the world. He was not alone, but the Father was always with him, and the Spirit was always with him from the incarnation to the death of the cross. And so it must continue in the same way in heaven now that he has been exalted back into glory. The intercession of Christ in heaven is not a work of Christ alone, isolated from the influence of the other persons of the Trinity, but it is always the work of all three persons of the Trinity, as it has always been. Christ is the mediator, the one mediator between God and man, but the sympathy of Christ is not the sympathy of him alone, but of the Father, the Spirit, and so all the sympathy, love, and compassion of the entire Trinity is mediated to us now through the one mediator, Jesus Christ. This morning, what we will look at is the influence of the Father upon the heart of Christ toward us now. The influence of the Father upon the Son, even now that he is in heaven. And so you do not think that I am coming up with new and novel ideas this morning. I remind you, my guide in this study is the book by the Puritan Thomas Goodwin, the book entitled The Heart of Christ in Heaven Towards Sinners on Earth. I give you the also, also the subtitle of the book, which reads... Treatise, a treatise, a treatise demonstrating the gracious disposition of Christ in his human nature, now in glory unto his members under all sorts of infirmities and miseries, either of sin or misery. So what is the influence of the Father upon the Son now that Christ is in heaven? Goodwin states it this way that God has given a perpetual command to Christ to love sinners. That's what we are looking at here this morning, that God the Father has given to his beloved Son an eternal and perpetual commandment to love sinners, even 
to the end. The Father has always loved us from eternity. He will love us into eternity to come. And his love will be upon us when time is no more. And this is his influence upon his Son that the Father has given to him an eternal, perpetual command to love us as sinners. By eternal, we mean that the Father gave this command to his Son in eternity, in the plan of salvation, and it will extend into eternity future. By a perpetual command, we mean that the Father's command to love sinners, it is an unchanging command. It can never be altered. It can never be diminished in any way through this world and into the world to come. We see this in this passage here in John chapter 6 that we've read where Jesus speaks of the will of his heavenly Father. He speaks of it here in three different times. We see it in verse 38. He says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him, the will of my Father who sent me. We see it again in the beginning of verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, and again in the beginning of verse 40, for this is the will of my Father. So everything, everything that Jesus speaks of here throughout these verses is because of the will or the commandment of God the Father to him. The Father's commandment is his will. Verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He means I have come down from heaven to do the will of my heavenly father. And so the command, the will of his father was first given to him when he was still in heaven in eternity in the plan of salvation. The father gave to him this perpetual commandment to love sinners. And then the son came down from heaven to fulfill the command of the father, the father's will. I have come down, he says, from heaven to do my father's will. Not that there was any ever any difference between the will of the father and the will of the son, but Jesus willingly subjected himself to the will of his father as the Savior. And the Father's command to love sinners is seen in four ways in this passage. First, in that Jesus receives all sinners who come to him. We see this in verse 37. He says, all that the Father gives me, they shall come to me. All that the Father has given me in his eternal election They shall all come to me because my Father will draw them to me. And then he says at the end of the verse, And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. This is the first part of the Father's commandment to his Son to love sinners, to receive them, to welcome all sinners who will come to him for salvation and to not cast out any of them. Back in John chapter 4, Jesus met the Samaritan woman at the well and he received her and he spoke the words of eternal life to her. 
And then he said to his disciples, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He meant my highest delight and the desire of my soul, which is most necessary to my life and is the joy and the refreshment of my heart, is always to be doing the will of my heavenly Father and to receive all sinners who come to me. Poor and wretched sinners like this Samaritan woman. I will never turn them away. I will always welcome them and receive them to myself because it is my Father's will and it is his commandment that I have come to accomplish to love sinners. So the first part is what he says in verse 37, that he will receive them and certainly not cast them out. And then he says, verse 38, I have come down to do this as the will of my heavenly Father who sent me. And the second part of the Father's command to love sinners is that Jesus gives eternal life to all who believe in him. We see this in verse 40. He says, for this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. He says, this is the will of my Father, everyone. Everyone, no matter who they are. Everyone, no matter how great their sins may be, no matter what their background may be. Everyone, everyone from every tribe and tongue and nation, everyone who beholds the Son and sees the glory of the Son and believes in the all-sufficiency of the Son to him. Jesus says, I will give him eternal life. And so he gives eternal life to all who believe in him. By faith we now have presently eternal life, a present reality given to us. The third part of the Father's commandment to the Son is that he loses none of those who come to him. We see this in verse 39. He says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. My Father has given them to me. He has entrusted them to me. And I have come down from heaven to accomplish everything needed for their salvation. And this is my Father's will, the commandment that I have received from him, that I love them continually, and I lose not one of them. And so Jesus here, he looks beyond his death, resurrection. He looks to his ascension, to his intercession back up into heaven. And he is saying here, this is my father's commandment and will that I be watching over each one of them when I return to my throne in heaven where I will protect and guard them where I will defend them against all their enemies, and I must send them all needed grace in their times of trial. I must preserve them and keep them. I must never sleep or slumber upon my throne, and I will let no one ever snatch any one of them out of my hands. I will not lose one of them, he says. The fourth part of The Father's command to Christ is to raise us all up at the last day. This is what he says at the end of verse 39. He says that I lose nothing but raise it up at the last day. And again, at the end of verse 40, he says, I myself will raise 
him up on the last day. There is a last day to this present world. It will be the day of Jesus' return from heaven. And when he comes in his glory, he will raise all men. It will be the day of resurrection, the day of judgment. And it will be the end of his work of salvation. All the dangers, the perils of this world, all of its grief, it will be gone forever. And he will raise his people. And he will present them to his heavenly father in all the glory of their resurrection, without any spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He will present them to his heavenly father and the will of his heavenly father will be finished. He will raise them up on the last day. So we see here that the father's will, the father's commandment that was given to him in eternity is a perpetual commandment to the Son that he must continue to love sinners through his death, resurrection, his ascension back up into heaven and the Father's command to love sinners still rests upon Jesus even now as he is exalted and it will continue until his time of his second return, his return from heaven, it remains unchanged to the end of time. So this is the Father's perpetual command to the Son. It remains in force today that he loves sinners. The command still abides upon him that whoever comes to him, he will receive them. He will not cast any of them out. And whoever believes in him, he will give them eternal life. And he will not lose any of them, but he will raise them all up on the last day. So all of this is the Father's will, the Father's commandment that is given to the Son to love sinners in the world. Before we leave the passage, one thing I mentioned is there in verse 37, at the end of the verse where he speaks of the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. We often think of that as if it speaks only of our first coming to Christ. When we first came to believe in him, he will not cast us out. But there is no need for us to limit it to the very beginning of the Christian life. This is a coming to him that it must continue throughout all of our Christian life so that we continually come to him and receive grace and help from him in heaven that we would persevere to the end and he would lose none of us and raise us all up on the last day. Our continually coming to him for grace is part of his not losing any one of us, but raising us all up on the last day. Jesus spoke of the Father's commandment to him to love sinners in other passages. We'll turn to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 in verse 17 and 18. And Jesus said, verse 17, For this reason the Father loves me, 
because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Jesus speaks of his laying down his life upon the cross for his sheep, and then his taking it back up again in a resurrection. And he says here that his authority to do both of these things is by the commandment of the Father given to him at the end of verse 18. This commandment, he says, this commandment I received from my Father. He speaks of the commandment that was given to him by his Father in eternity before he came into the world, the Father's commandment to him to love sinners and here to love them even to the death of the cross which is the context in which he speaks these things. This is the commandment that my Father has given me to come into the world and to lay down my life for the sheep. This commandment I received from my Father. Love is the greatest of all commandments. No commandment of God can ever be fulfilled without love. The commandment of God here to Christ, to lay down his life, the commandment was given out of love from the Father, and it could never have been fulfilled by the Son without love in his heart. No commandment can be fulfilled without love. Love is the fulfillment of the law. And no greater love could there ever be than for the Son to lay down his life for the sheep. This commandment of love to sinners, even to the cross, this commandment I have received from my Father. This is what we often read of so often in the New Testament. Paul says, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. John chapter 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than one laid down his life for his friends. First John chapter 3 and verse 16. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. And Revelation 1 verse 5. To him who loves us. And released us from our sins. By his blood. So here at the end of verse 18. Jesus speaks of this commandment. This commandment. This perpetual commandment. That I received from my father. To love sinners. From the very beginning to the end of all things and to love them even to the death of the cross and to my resurrection from the dead and back into heaven. The death of Jesus was voluntary. He says, no one has taken it away from me. I lay it down on my own initiative, but it was also by the father's command to him. There is no conflict between them because the Father's command to the Son is always the voluntary will of the Son. We notice back in verse 17, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. For this reason the Father loves me, because I keep his commandment. 
The Father has loved me from eternity as the Son of God, but here he speaks of the Father's love upon him as the mediator as he comes into the world to carry out the Father's commandment of love to sinners. My Father, he says, my Father loves me and he will continue to love me as I keep his great commandment to love sinners and lay down my life for them. We turn over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 31. And Jesus says here in verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go from here. That I may prove, he says, that I may show my love to my father in keeping his commandment, his commandment to love sinners, even to the death of the cross. He says, even so I must do. He says, let us arise from here and let us go to Gethsemane and to the cross that I may show my love to my heavenly father and fulfill his commandment to love sinners. We see more of this commandment in Psalm 40. If we turn back to Psalm 40, the Father's commandment to the Son to love sinners in this world. Psalm 40 and verse 6 through 8. In verse 6, Sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired. My, ear, uh, my ears thou hast opened. Burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. In these verses, we are brought into the throne room of God in eternity, a council, a council between the Father and the Son. And here we overhear the words of the Son to the Father regarding the plan of salvation. In verse 6, Jesus speaks, the Son of God speaks of the insufficiency of the old covenant sacrifices and offerings. They were commanded, but they were not ultimately the Father's will because they could never take away any sin. They were only meant to foreshadow the coming of the Savior. Sacrifice and meal offering thou hast not desired. My ears thou hast opened, burnt offering and sin offering thou hast not required because they can never take away sin and upon thinking upon the insufficiency of those sacrifices to ever take away sin, then the Son speaks now of what He will do in His own incarnation to come into the world. In verse 7 He says, Then I said, Behold, I come. Those sacrifices can never take away sin, but this is what I will do. I will come into the world. And I will make the one sacrifice that will take away all sin forever. 
In the scroll of the book it is written to me. In the scroll of the eternal plan of God it is written of me. The writer to the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 10, he quotes this passage as being fulfilled in Jesus and in his death upon the cross. And then the son says in verse 8, he says, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. Thy will, the will of the Father, in the beginning of the verse, is the same as thy law or thy commandment at the end of the verse. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Thy law is within my heart. This is the Father's commandment to the Son, that he come into the world, and that he always and perpetually loves sinners, even to the highest point of love possible, by the death of the cross, which is what he clearly speaks of here in verses 6 and 7. He says in the beginning of verse 8, that my highest joy, my delight and desire is to do the will of my heavenly Father and to carry out his commandment. It is my pleasure and my highest joy in life. Calvin translates the beginning of verse 8, that I may do thy pleasure, O my God. And so there is nothing that he preferred more than to do the will of his heavenly Father and his good pleasure. The second half of the verse further explains, Thy law, he says, is within my heart. It is the Father's commandment, he says. He says this commandment, he speaks of the same commandment from, Matthew, from John chapter 10 and verse 18. This commandment I receive from my Father. He says, this commandment that the Father has given me to love sinners, this commandment, this law, he says, is within my heart. And I delight in nothing more than to accomplish my Father's will. Now we notice here in verse 8 that he says, thy law is within my heart. He does not say, thy law is written upon my heart. And we might be reminded in this verse of what Jeremiah spoke of, of the new covenant in which God said, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them upon their hearts. This is not the same expression in the Hebrew. And the Hebrew scholars tell us that this expression here is not used anywhere else in the scripture. This is not a law written upon the heart, as the new covenant speaks. This is a law that has sunk down into the very depths of the heart, down to the very center and innermost being of Christ, so that it has filled him and it has permeated all of his entire person, so that everything that he does and everything that he says and his entire life and will is governed and guided by his father's commandment. We may perhaps have thought of this verse as saying that God has written his laws upon our hearts in the new covenant and that he did the same with Jesus as the perfect man. 
But this verse is saying something much more than that. The law that is within his heart is the eternal counsel of the Father to the Son spoken of in the previous verses, the Father's commandment to love sinners even to come into the world to die upon the cross for their sins. Thy law, he says, is within my heart. He means there is nothing more dear, more precious to me. It is more precious to me than life itself. There is nothing I desire more. Nothing can keep me from it. Thy law, thy commandment is within my heart. Now the moral law of God in the Ten Commandments was surely in the heart of Jesus when he came into the world. But this is a law, a commandment in addition to and above the moral law. It is the Father's commandment to him to come into the world and love sinners and to accomplish everything needed for their salvation, including the cross. It is like Adam when Adam was first made in the Garden of Eden. The moral law of the Ten Commandments was in his heart. But he was given an additional law over and above the moral law. And that commandment became the trial of his obedience. And by his obedience to that one commandment, his obedience to all of the commandments would be judged. And so the same thing is taking place here with Jesus as the second Adam. The Father has given him a commandment that is over and above the Ten Commandments, the commandment to love sinners. And by his obedience, by his continual obedience to the commandment of the Father to love sinners, his obedience, his, all of his obedience will be judged by his obedience and his continued obedience to that one commandment. He had to fulfill the moral law in all of his life, yes. But this one commandment was above all the others, to love sinners and to bring about their final salvation. Thomas Goodwin puts it this way. He says, this law was given to Christ, the second Adam, so as that God would judge of all his other obedience unto himself by this. It was laid upon him with that earnestness by God and so commended by him as that if ever Christ would have the Father to love him, he should be sure to love us. If Christ would still have the Father to love him, then Jesus must be sure to continue to love us in obedience to the Father's commandment. Now we can see that in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15 and verse 10. John chapter 15, verse 10, Jesus says, If you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He tells us, 
as his disciples how we are to abide and continue in his love by keeping his commandments. In the first half of the verse, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. But the same is true in regard to him if he would continue to abide in his heavenly father's commandments. He says, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. This includes the Ten Commandments, yes, but this includes the Father's commandment to him that is above all others, that he loves sinners. This is how the Son remains in the Father's love, that he always remains with love and shows his love to sinners on earth. The perpetual and continuing commandment of the Father. And this commandment still continues in heaven today. And it must continue to the end of the world. Throughout the entire time of his intercession. Until he returns in glory. And he raises us all up in the resurrection of the last day. This is the commandment that is still in force upon the sun. In the glory of heaven above. Christ's work of fulfilling the moral law for our righteousness, that work has been finished on earth. There is nothing that ever needs to be added to that work of righteousness now that he is exalted back to the throne of God in heaven. But this command, this eternal command of his father, To love sinners, this command still abides. This command is still upon Christ. This is the command, the one command that the Father still urges upon his beloved Son. That he perpetually and always loves sinners. This is the one that he must keep even on the throne of heaven, to abide continually in his Father's love. It is as if the Father's love for his Son continues and increases as he continues to show love to sinners. I have kept my Father's commandment that I may abide in his love. Goodwin puts it this way, as if Christ ever would have the Father to love him, he should be sure to love us. It is as if the Father said to his Son, I am sending you into the world, and this is the commandment by which your love to me will be seen most. My commandment above all others the commandment by which my love will continually abide upon you, that in all of your life on earth and all of your resurrection, ascension, your intercession in heaven, after you return, my commandment will be to you to always love sinners and to show compassion, mercy, and sympathy to them to all that I have given to you until you find their final salvation. So this is why Jesus shows one reason why he shows such great sympathy to us 
as our great high priest in heaven. It is the commandment of his heavenly father to him to do so. And when the son hears the commandment of the father. In this regard, he says, yes, my father, I will keep your commandment. My delight is to do your will, O my God. Thy law, your eternal commandment is within my heart, and I always do the things that are pleasing to you. And so I will love them. I will love them to the death of the cross. I will love them when they come to me. I will receive them to myself. I will not lose any one of them. I will love them in all the trials and troubles of their life. I will not lose them. I will keep them to the very end. And then I will raise them all up on the last day. And I will fulfill perfectly all of your commandment to me. To love sinners to the very end. We have three applications as we close our time this morning. The first is that we see in this how we should view the intercession of our Lord Jesus in heaven. That it is not something that he performs on his own. It is not a work that he does without influence from the Father in isolation from the Father. Or it is not as if he must plead with a reluctant and unwilling Father to love and bless us. But the father is most involved. And the father is given this commandment that still abides upon Christ in his intercession. He is still under this perpetual commandment of the father to love us to the very end. And so the father's love is being mediated to us through his beloved son. And Jesus said in John chapter 16 and verse 26. He says, you will ask in my name. And I do not say to you that I will request the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from the Father. A second application of this is that we see here in this commandment of the Father how secure our salvation really is. This is where we need to look. This is where we need what we need to see by faith that the security of our salvation is not based upon anything in us or anything that we have done or will ever do. The security of our salvation is based upon the will and the commandment of the Father to the Son from all eternity. The Father with all of his glory power has commanded his son to love sinners. And the son with all of his glory and power has agreed. And even now in heaven he says, Yes, Father, it is my delight to do your will and to fulfill all of your commandments. Heaven is a place of love. There is no faith and no hope in heaven. We have faith, we have hope now, but when we go to heaven, there will be no longer any faith 
And there will be no longer any hope because the hope will be realized, but love will continue forever. And the love of the Father and the love of the Son is the most unchanging and infinite love that there could ever be. Having loved his own, John says, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. There can be no greater security than this. No power on earth can overturn the love of the Father and the Son for us. No power, no power of the devil, no power of sin, nor any other created thing can ever frustrate the love of the Father and the Son. We, in our obedience, in our love, in our emotions, how constantly changing we are. And we go up and we go down, but here is something that is eternal and immutable and something that will never change. The commandment of the Father to the Son to love us as sinners and the Son's willingness to fulfill that command. We are weak, we, are stum- we stumble, we fall, but we can never be lost because the Father has commanded the Son to keep us in his love and not lose any of us, but raise us up on the last day. So there is nothing that can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The last thing we say this morning as we close is that Jesus still receives sinners, whoever comes to him. The last day is coming. There is a last day to this world when Christ returns When that last day comes, the door of heaven will be shut. But until that last day, the door is open. The door is open this morning. And Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will in no way cast him out. Whoever comes to me with all of his sin, repenting and believing in me, whoever turns to me and looks to me, I will receive him. I will welcome him. I will never cast him out. I will give him eternal life. I will guard and keep him to the very end. I will raise him on the last day. Jesus still receives sinners. And if you are not a Christian, this is what you must do. You must go to Jesus. Come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. Let us pray together. Our Father and gracious God in heaven, Thank you for the glorious truth of your word. Thank you for the commandment of the Father to his Son to love us and save us to the end. O Lord, we have no hope in ourselves. Our hope is in you, in your preservation, in your preserving power to guard us and keep us to the end. We thank you that we may have such great confidence in you And we pray that you would help us to believe more, more deeply, and to rest more assuredly upon your sovereign will and commandment. We pray that you would save sinners who hear the word this morning. We pray that they would not rest until they find Jesus to be the Savior. We pray, Lord Jesus, draw them to yourself by your Holy Spirit and give them hearts to embrace you 
to love you and fear you and to obey you. We pray that you would hear us now and bless the word to us. In Jesus' name, amen.